Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. I had a friend. When we were young, in the 80s, we were both big Atari fans. We swapped cartridges all the time, and we would pour through catalogs looking for games we wanted together. As the video game crash neared, we were unaware. Everything seemed pretty good for our favorite console, the Atari 2600, and we were impressed by what we were hearing about Atari's next console. And I'm not talking about the 5200, I'm talking about the 7800. A friend of mine had already gotten the 5200, and neither of us were all that impressed with that, although secretly we both wanted it. No, the Atari 7800 was the object of our desire. We had heard that they were testing the Atari 7800 in markets in California, and my friend went so far as to beg his father, who traveled a lot on business, to see if he could pick up an Atari 7800 when he was in this mythical California. Eventually, the release for the Atari came and went, and no Ataris hit our area. It turns out there was a lot of things going on in Atari as it changed hands that prevented the Atari 7800 from being released. Eventually, the Nintendo Entertainment System would hit, and a lot of our friends would buy it. My friend, though, continued to hold out hope that the Atari 7800 would come out, and that was going to be the console that we all played, that these Nintendos were just a flash in the pan. Eventually, he would get a console, but he had become so rabidly anti-Nintendo that he couldn't get a Nintendo Entertainment System. Instead, he got a Sega Master System. And as Atari's 7800 eventually did come out and didn't really capture the limelight, his attention shifted away from Atari and he became a dedicated Sega fan. I remember having conversations about the Atari 7800 with him as more and more people bought Nintendos in our neighborhood and how he kept irrationally hoping that Atari was right over the horizon. I think he wanted to recapture the initial magic that he felt for his Atari 2600. Maybe this is something he eventually felt with his Sega, I'm not sure. Eventually the Atari 7800 would come out, and that is the subject of today's show. We're going to talk about the company that created it, just a little bit about Atari. We'll talk about the makings of the Atari 7800, its technology, its failures, its successes, why it was released so late. We'll talk about the peripherals, the games, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. So let's start out by talking a little bit about Atari. Atari was started in 1972. It was founded by Nolan Bushnell and Ted Dabney. 
They would become famous for arcade games, home video consoles, and home computers that proliferated throughout the 1970s and into the 1980s. The Atari 2600 had always done well. The Atari 5200 was not the success that the Atari 2600 was, and Atari was going to make a new console, originally the Atari 3600. After a few months, that was changed to the Atari 7800, which conveniently you get by adding 5200, which was a system with more power, plus 2600 compatibility. 5200 plus 2600 equals 7800, the new system which was going to be Atari's future. And they went through marketing, talking to people, trying to figure out what exactly they wanted in a system. And all of this was supposed to be in this new, amazing console. People wanted things like backwards compatibility, more peripherals, the ability to turn it into a computer. And these were all things that Atari was going to bring to the 7800. They were also going to correct things that they thought they did wrong in the first console. And one of those things was they were going to try to avoid having a flood of bad games coming to the Atari. And to do so, they added an encryption key to their cartridges. That way, if you were a company that wanted to make Atari games, you had to get clearance from Atari. You just couldn't crank out games. And it would also allow Atari to have a handle on if adult games would be released on the Atari 7800. The Atari 7800 was initially released in June of 1984. I guess that was during the test market phase. And this was following a big announcement on May 21st of 1984 at the Summer Consumer Electronics Show. Unfortunately, in July of 1984, Atari was sold to a new owner, Jack Tramiel. And this is where it gets complicated. Now, Atari had hired another company to make the Atari 7800, a company called GCC. And GCC seemingly did a very good job. In fact, when Atari wanted games made, they would just now go to GCC to make the games. When Tramiel took over Atari from Warner Communications, who wanted to unload it after the video game crash, it was unclear who owed GCC money for their work that they had done on the Atari 7800. And this is where you'll hear lots of different stories. Some people say Jack didn't want to pay. Other people said that he was willing to pay, of course, wanted to move his Ataris. And then yet other people said no, he had no interest in moving Ataris. Instead, he wanted to focus on computers, which is something he knew about from his time at Commodore. That's right, Jack Tramiel was the founder of Commodore International, maker of such high-quality computers as the PET, the VIC-20, the Commodore 64, and so on and so forth. I guess it's hard to know exactly what happened during this time. Maybe a combination of all these things. I personally can't help but think that even if you wanted to concentrate on computers, you might realize that there were a lot of Atari 7800s sitting on the shelves and a lot of work had been done that money was to be made. So I imagine there was a back and forth before they could start ramping up and creating new 7800 material and then go through the marketing blitz and all that stuff, and that would take years to happen. In 1983, a company called Nintendo wanted to break into the video game market in the United States, and they actually came to Atari and asked them about partnering with their system in America. This deal that could have happened with Atari distributing Nintendo, and I think that Nintendo might not have needed Atari necessarily for its gaming or technology expertise, but instead because Atari had a lot of contacts in distribution although they were no slouches in the marketing arena themselves. But as you'll see, Nintendo was a quick student and eventually would master the American market. But the deal that was 
cooking at Atari between Nintendo somehow fell through the cracks during the Atari reshuffle, and Nintendo would go it alone, and eventually would break into the U.S. market, and almost completely block Atari out of the market when they eventually released the Atari 7800. The Atari 7800 would eventually get released. It would become the number two console in the U.S., and Sega's master system would be third, so that Sega would actually go to Atari when they were going to release the Genesis, and I believe that is where the name change from... Sega Tomahawk to Genesis happened. Sadly for Atari, that deal with Sega also fell through, but Sega would pick up Michael Katz, who had been the head of Atari's game division, and he would come up with the famous slogan, Genesis does what Nintendon't. We'll return after these messages. What do you want? What do you think? What do you want? Games anywhere. What do you want? I want the sound that curl my hair. What do you want? 7800s everywhere. What do you want? Oh, I want a Tari. I do. What do you want? Atari 7800. Atari's the name of the game, dudes. Check it out at these rad stores. And now, back to the show. So the 7800 was going to be this great next generation system, and to get a good system, you need some technology at its core. At the core of the Atari 7800 Pro system was the Maria graphics processor. This new graphics chip would allow more sprites and a better color palette on screen. It would also allow the original Atari processor to coexist with the Maria in the same system and that would allow people to play their original Atari 2600 games on the Atari 7800. The Maria had different graphics modes. They could either be 160 pixels wide or 320 pixels wide. The 320 pixels mode would theoretically have allowed the Atari 7800 to have a better resolution than both the Nintendo Entertainment System and Sega Master System, but because of the intense demands that that would put on the Maria, programmers usually decided to keep things in the 160 pixel mode. While they had much better graphics than the Atari 2600, they used virtually the exact same sound from the Atari 2600. And this was a big criticism in that here you could have these better graphics, but the audio would be the same stuff you were hearing back on your 2600. To compensate for this, the GCC people allowed a audio chip to be included in the cartridges. And that way, if the cartridge had the sound chip, you could have this great sound. In fact, they were planning to even make a better chip than one that was currently available, but that would be canceled in the reshuffle at Atari when Jack Tramiel took over. Even though they had this capability, very few games took advantage of this enhanced sound. Good examples of games that did would include Ball Blazer and Commando, but many, many other games, the sound is not that great. So this whole thing with Tramiel is happening, and they're trying to figure out who owes GCC money. Eventually it all gets settled, and the Atari 7800s that had been sitting in a warehouse finally are going to see the light of day. Following a strong Christmas of 1985, the Atari 7800 was reintroduced in January of 1986. The marketing budget was not huge. In addition, all these great peripherals that had been planned were a no-show. In fact, the expansion port would later be removed 
from production runs of the system going forward. What Atari concentrated on at the time was bringing arcade games into your living room, especially Atari games, games like Asteroids or Joust. So Atari needs to find new games, and they're having a hard time finding developers to create versions of games for the 7800. And Nintendo was a big reason for this. When Nintendo jumped into the video game industry, they would sign up development companies to create games under a license agreement which imposed tough restrictions on what that company was allowed to do. And a big part of that was that games that were made for the Nintendo were not allowed to be made on competing systems for two years. Because Nintendo already had a dominant hand in the market, companies really had no incentive to go to Atari or Sega. So in all, 11 games were made and sold by third-party companies for the Atari 7800, and the rest would be published by Atari themselves. Now I say by themselves, that's not even true, because from what I understand, most of the development was contracted out. If you're going to play the Atari 7800, you're probably going to find a game with it, and that would be Pole Position 2, which was the game that came with it. But there were a couple of games that were quite rare for the Atari 7800, and if you're at a flea market, you might want to keep your eye out for games like Tank Command, Sentinel, and Water Ski. There were a couple of games in development for the Atari 7800 that were never finished. Some had been finished later or at least released in ROM for emulation. Games like Pit Fighter, Gatto, and Klax. One game that is noteworthy for not being released was the game Sky Fox, which was shown on the back of the original box for the system, but is nowhere to be found. In 1986, we also introduced the next generation of video game systems, the new 7800, and it was an immediate smash hit. Early in 87, new super game titles like one-on-one -on -one basketball, winter games, and Sky Fox will be released to take advantage of the 7800's great graphics, lifelike animation, and superb sound effects. Plus, there will be other hot new titles from such top software companies as Activision, Electronic Arts, Broderbund, and Epics. And at under $100, the 7800 is one of the best home entertainment values in the world. That's why we're telling millions of consumers that Atari has reinvented the video game. And now, back to the show. The Atari 7800 would have had some really cool peripherals that never showed up, including a keyboard, a high-score cartridge, a light gun, potentially a laser disc player, and a dual joystick holder that would have allowed you to play games that used two joysticks, games like Robotron 2084. There also would have been a Atari 7800 adapter for the Atari 5200 that would have allowed Atari 5200 owners to play Atari 7800 games on their systems. While no light gun was specifically made for the Atari 7800, the Atari light gun XG1 would work on the Atari 7800. The controller that came with the Atari 7800 was the Atari Proline joystick, which was a two-button controller. It had this elongated handle and buttons on the side. If you've ever gotten to play with one, they are marginally better than the Atari 5200 which didn't auto-center, but it was still not great. And maybe it was because of 
their early development, Atari was not on the joypad movement, and it would only be later, and in Europe, that Atari would release a joypad for the Atari 7800. I've gotten to handle them, and games are a lot better on the Atari 7800 joypad. So if you're going to get an Atari 7800 and invest time in gaming on it, you might want to look into getting a joypad. The high score cartridge would have been really cool because it would have allowed you to save your progress, basically, on any arcade game so that you could brag to your friends that, oh yeah, I scored 30,000 points on Miss Pac-Man. Prove it. Well, look, it's right there in the high score cartridge. It was a really cool feature. That was sadly canceled. The keyboard would have plugged into the second joystick port and would have come with a cartridge that turned the 7800 into a computer. The keyboard would have even had a connector for using Atari computer system peripherals like cassette recorders, a printer, maybe even a disk drive. If you look online, you'll see lots of pictures of the 7800 keyboard, and it's kind of handsome looking. Who knows what would have happened if they were able to pair, say, like a trackball with the computer. So say you had a trackball on the side, you get where I'm going with this, a mouse sort of system back in 1984. That would have been really cool, way ahead of its time. If you do not own an Atari 7800, you can pick one up. They're available online. Sometimes you'll find them at flea markets and garage sales. Fun piece of technology. If you don't want to own one, you can emulate one. And emulation is when you run software on your computer and then download things called ROMs. And by running those ROMs in the software, you can actually play those games. Sometimes it's a little weird if you don't have the proper joystick, but often you can buy a joystick and it'll function in a similar way. There's a lot of good joypads that really capture the flavor of the time. As I mentioned earlier, there was misinformation floating out there about the Atari 7800. People thought that because it was encrypted that nothing could be done. Eventually, the original digital signature software was found and made public to the Atari community. This would lead to the development of new Atari 7800 games. There have been multiple Atari 7800 games made since then. Games like Combat 1990, Space War, Beef Drop, just to name a few. If emulation's not your thing, in 2004, Atari began releasing Atari flashback consoles. These are actual little systems that resemble the original Atari 7800. When this was released, it came with 20 built-in games five 7800 titles and 15 2600 titles. While these sold well, there is some criticism because of the way they were developed on a very limited budget and in a very short time scale, and they don't exactly play like an original Atari 7800. What's really cool about this moment in Atari history, and video game history in general, I guess, is that it's a real what-if moment. What if Atari had released their system earlier? Would they have been the one who captured the market? Would the NES have caught on? I think it's a fun thing to speculate on. I am not sure, though, if marketing alone would have been enough. If you look at how Nintendo approached making games, it was very different than what Atari was doing. And a lot of the games that were very popular, the in-house games from Nintendo, were nothing like what we were seeing coming out for the Atari 2600 or 5200. Games like Super Mario, Metroid, Zelda, and Castlevania. Atari was not lining up to make games like that, or even find people to do it. Could they have gotten Nintendo to break its exclusive contract and make games for them? I think that if 1983 had gone smoothly into 1984, and we had the release, and 
Nintendo's relationship with Atari had been established in-house, we could be seeing a very different video game market nowadays. One perhaps ruled by Atari, or at least one in which Atari is still part of the game. Unfortunately for us Atari fans, that didn't happen. But while Atari might have failed, other systems came up to take its place, and the video game market is more competitive now than ever before. So if you have a little time, maybe a little extra money, why don't you pick yourself up an Atari 7800? It makes a great conversation piece. At the very least, maybe check out emulating, watch some videos online. I think you'll see that some games for the Atari 7800 had a lot of promise. Games like Commando are worth checking out. Compare them to the games that you're familiar with. Perhaps you'll see why Nintendo triumphed with their selection of games. Or maybe, just maybe, inside you is lurking an Atari 7800 fan just waiting to get out. If so, give me a call. I'll come over. We'll play some Pole Position too. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. So this pokey audio chip would have been replaced with a better one called called Gumby. That's not hard to forget. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.